Uh, it's a special day in the sense of like seeing you, Providence. Uh, for me, it's been since March 2020 that we, for me, were all gathered in one place at the same time. I know there's still some folks watching at home, miss you guys. Uh, come back next week. We're back Sunday. Be here next Sunday. But it's so great to be in here. I know you guys have been gathering for like a month like this, but I, I haven't. So this is my first time to actually be where we're all together, and it's a great Great opportunity, and it's a great feeling to look out and see so many people that I love so dearly. Uh, I did want to say one more thing about my sabbatical. I thanked you guys, uh, but those who did the heavy lifting and made everything happen were our staff and elders. And so uh, one of my most proud moments is that I basically, now don't fire me, but I worked myself out of a job. And, and so the church just ran completely smooth. Everything went the way it was supposed to. So big thank you to Pastor John, Pastor Chad, uh, to Debbie, and then to our elders, Jeff Williams, who's, we call him the elder elder, and then Jeff Shaver and uh, Steve Qualls as well. So big thank you to all of those guys as well. Uh, next week, like we talked about, is going to be We're Back Sunday, and so Sunday school is starting again, Bible study, um, and then we'll be starting a new sermon series through the book of Hebrews that'll take us a little while. I'm looking forward to that. You can pray for me that I literally don't die, because most commentators who try to write a commentary on that, they die in the midst of it and never complete it, so you can pray for me in that way. There's a lot of non-completed commentaries out there, so just pray for me in that way. Uh, but we'll be going through the book of Hebrews starting next week. But today we're finishing up a series that you guys have been in for the last six weeks on things that the Bible doesn't actually say. Things that we think that the Bible says, we hear that the Bible says, people trot it out there like it's Scripture, but it's not. It's either just uh, Americanism, uh, you know, in with these and thous in there, or it's just Scripture that's been twisted slightly, uh, maybe, you know, not on purpose, but it's just happened over time. And so we've been walking through some of those this week, just, you know, things that aren't actually in the Bible. And so, for example, the very first week was God helps those who help themselves, right? Which is not in the Bible. In fact, it's pretty much the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. The Bible instead teaches that we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Dead people can't help themselves. So God doesn't help those who help themselves. He helps those who are helpless. That's the whole point of the Bible. Grace and mercy, not bootstrap pulling, but leaning in to Christ. And so we've had all of these different statements, and some of them are just flat wrong. Some of them are half-truths. Uh, they're all not helpful. But then some of them are actually, some of the things, and there's more than just the six we've done, some of them are actually hurtful. And I would label the one that we have before us this morning actually hurtful. At least it can be in some context. And here, here's the statement. God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. Now, how many of you have heard that? Okay. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand for how many of you have said that because you would be raising your hand in telling lies because that statement is not true. It's not a true statement. It's not helpful. And in fact, I would say it's hurtful. Like I can recall in my own life, you know, uh, like when Eden was born and Sarah and I lived with Eden, like four months in the hospital. We've got three little bitties at home, barely seeing mom and dad. 
were coming and going. They can't see their baby sister. They sleep with socks that she had worn on her hands just so they can kind of smell her and have some sort of connection to her. But we're, we're there for four months, congestive heart failure, open heart surgery, overdoses, necrotizing, enterocolitis twice, near death, paddle boards being wheeled in, doctors going crazy, Eden screaming in pain, somebody writes on Facebook or Caring Bridge, God will never give you more than you can handle. And I'm like, I want to take a baseball bat and hit you, handle that. <laughs> That's bad, Joe. But I mean, like, my family's drowning here. And you're going to say that? Like, we're dying. Like, we, we are way beyond what we can handle. That passed a long time ago. We're way beyond that. And so that statement, especially in that moment, like unhelpful, untrue, and hurtful. And so let's just kind of strike this from our vocabulary, okay? It's, it's not true. Like we, not to bear, bear false witness. Let's not lie. This is not a true statement. You're like, okay, well, then what does the Bible say? Like, where does this come from? If we trot this out, then where does it come from? I thought it, I thought it was true. What's well, a twisting? It's a twisting of Scripture. And so all I want to do today is try to show you what the Bible actually says. All right? That's all we're going to do. What does the Bible actually say? And so number one in your notes, like where this come, comes from, what the Bible actually says that somehow has been twisted over the years It's not that God won't give you more than you can handle, but rather number one is that Christians, all right, Christians won't be tempted beyond their ability. They won't be tempted. It's not about burdens. This is about temptation. They won't be tempted beyond their ability. And so if you have a Bible, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 with me, all right? It's on page 957 and the Bible's around you if you want to grab one of those and open it up. Is going to be on the screens behind me as well. We're going to start in verse 12. What's going on here is Paul has just given the Israelites, remember Exodus, and how they were grumbling and complaining and sinning against God in the wilderness and rejecting God. He's just given them as an example of like what not to do. And then Paul writes this, starting in verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands... Take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And so this is what this verse is all about. It's not about burdens and difficulties that come on us just in life. It's about temptation. God won't let you be tempted beyond your ability, all right? Won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. But then keep reading there at the end of verse 13. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. And so the verse, again, is not talking about suffering that you may face because of health or finances, the death of a loved one, being sinned against, circumstances. Not talking about that. The verse is talking about temptation. And the very, like, what it's saying, first of all, is that whatever you're going through, whatever you are facing, whatever temptation you're facing, you're not alone. It's common to man. 
Like whatever it is. And so don't believe the lie. God doesn't understand what I'm going through. God doesn't understand how strong this pull is on my heart. Like, I want to give in to these things. He doesn't understand the draw this has for me. I, I want to give in to homosexuality. I want to give in to premarital sex. I want to give in to pornography. I want to abuse pain pills. I want to abuse alcohol. I want to abuse food or give in to retaliation or hatred or a means justify the end thinking to gossip, to slander, unforgiveness. I'm I'm drawn in these ways. Listen, of course you are. We are fallen. Of course things pull at us. But as believers, we're to resist this, and the Lord always gives us a way out. God is, I mean, hear this, in your pull, in your temptation, God is faithful and will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape that you may endure it. The problem is we don't take the way of escape. We don't hit the eject button like we're heading this way, eject, We don't take the exit ramp on our road to sin. There's an exit that God gives us and we refuse to take it. No, we just often press on the gas a little bit more and run headlong into it. This is common to all of us. Like, This is what we do. And we do it because we love sin more than we love God. That's what every statement of every time we sin was what we're doing. I love this more than love God. And yet, and yet, though we offend Him again, feel even right now the tenderness and the grace of the Lord towards you Because even right now, in this moment, like whatever you may be in, the Lord right now is giving you a way of escape. Right now. You can hit the eject button right now. Take the exit ramp right now. Turn. Repent. And so, friend, if that's you, turn away. Even today. But Joe, I've I've turned away a gazillion, gazillion times and I keep... The Lord's mercies are new every day. Today's a new day. Turn. Confess. And gather some brothers around you. Gather some sisters around you. And, and that'll help you. That'll walk alongside you. And confess, man, I'm just eaten up with bitterness and I can't let it go. I am just eaten up with jealousy and it's, it's killing me on the inside. I'm eaten up with hatred and anger. I just get so mad. I'm eaten up with addiction. Confess. Hit the eject button. Get some brothers and sisters around you to help. Like, this is what the church is for. The church is a hospital for sinners. And like a hospital, you first have to admit, I'm sick and need help. And then, secondly, you got to take the prescription that the hospital gives. And the prescription that the church gives is Christ, His gospel. 
his good news, his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness based upon his cross. And his power to not only forgive, but also deliver. To free you from the penalty of sin and from the continued power of it in your lives. It doesn't mean like you confess Jesus, you trust Jesus, and everything hunky-dory for the rest of your life. That's not how it works. But it does mean progress, pursuit, not perfection, right? But you've got to say yes, you've got to start. And so listen to me, if that's you, if you've never trusted Jesus, trust Him today. By faith, receive Him as your Lord, as your King, as your Savior. And truly let Him be not just your Savior, but your Lord. It's a, it's a package deal. You don't get one or the other. If He is your Savior, then you are receiving Him as your Lord, as your King, as your Master. Receive Him. He, he, he's lived the perfect sinless life. You haven't. He did it for you. So that you could be acceptable before God. And then the death, the penalty you owe, He paid that too. And then He rose again over sin and death. Victory over sin and death. And promises you will too. So take Him. Trust Him. Take the escape. But then if you've trusted Jesus... If you've already been freed from the penalty of sin, but man, you're caught up in something and need help, again, talk to someone. Christ came to bind up the wounded. And as his hands and feet, that's what we're here to do as well. Here to help. All right? We're kind of getting back on topic to exactly what we're talking about today. Like, this is what the Bible says. It doesn't say God won't give you more than you can handle. No, it says Christians won't be tempted beyond their ability. Christians particularly, because sometimes for non-Christians, God will just hand them over. Right? Romans 1. But Christians won't be tempted beyond their ability. All right? Well then, Joe, what, is, what does it say about the burdens we face? Well, number two in your notes is this. Many Christians will be burdened beyond their strength. Many Christians will be burdened beyond their strength. Now, if you have a background in the church at all, just think. Ask Job. Were you burdened beyond your strength, buddy? Ask Joseph. Sold into slavery, Potiphar's framed in jail. Like, were you beyond your... Ask Tamar. Raped by Judah. Ask Paul, ask any of the disciples, ask Mary, the mother of Jesus. Like, can you imagine the pressure? Uh, yeah, raise up the Messiah, the only hope for the world. Don't blow it. And then she watches her son and Savior unjustly accused, framed, set up, and slaughtered on the cross. I mean, you ask Jesus Himself. God the Son, infinite in strength, Isaiah 53, crushed for our iniquities. Many, maybe I could scratch that out and write most, maybe I could even scratch that out and write probably all Christians at some point will be burdened beyond their strength. This is what the Bible teaches. 
And I get that specific phraseology, like I just gave you a bunch of examples, but that specific phraseology comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So just turn to the right a couple of pages, all right, 964 if you've got my Bible or the black ones that are there, it's the same Bible, same translation, same page numbers. 964, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is where I get the exact phraseology I use. And what's happening here, background, is Paul's writing his second letter to the church at Corinth. And he's going to go on to talk about how, like, all that he's been through. How he's been beaten, how he's been stoned, how he's been whipped, how he's been shipwrecked. And so he introduces the letter like this. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so, here's the phrase, utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Like, have you ever been there? Where it feels like like things are so bad you'd almost just prefer to die. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, right? They're beyond their strength. Not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. A burden. They are burdened, yes, way beyond your strength, but God can raise the dead. Verse 10, He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of of many. And so this, this is what happens in our lives so often. God allows, sometimes causes, difficulties in our lives that go far beyond our strength to teach us to not try and rely on ourselves, but on Him. Because like we can't handle it, but He can and He will, and He wants to because He loves us and cares for us. And so, uh, like a, an adoptive parent, you'll hear stories sometimes of how a child comes into a family and they've never known, they've never lived in a place where food was plentiful. And so any scraps or anything that are left over will be hoarded and taken to a room and hidden. Because they've never known what it's like to just have ample food. And God is coming to us as our loving, adoptive father saying, you don't have to rely on yourself anymore. I've got plenty and I love to give it to you. Love to. It gives me joy. I love to do it. You don't have to rely on yourself anymore. Stop relying on yourself, in fact. Rely on me. I will take care of you. I love you. I am your father. I've got you. That's what's happening. That's what he's teaching us. You think about the feeding of the 5,000. 
And there's a gazillion things that are happening. I mean, when the Lord is doing something, there's always not just one reason. There's gazillions of reasons, right? The feeding of the 5,000 is primarily to show us, to teach us and the people who were there that Jesus really is the Son of God, that He is the bread of life. He is the true and better manna from heaven. Hearkening back to our study through Exodus. But one of the other things that's happening in that moment is he's teaching his disciples this, this exact point that, yeah, God will burden you beyond your ability, beyond your strength, but he, not you, he will provide. Because think about the situation. The disciples, they're like, hey, Jesus is getting late. Uh, the people haven't eaten all day. Send them away to get some food. And he's like, no, actually, you feed them. Now, why would Jesus say that? He knows they have no ability to feed them. They are even like, what? I mean, they're, they're astounded. Why would you even ask us that? He knows that there's no way that they can do it, and that's exactly the point. He's blowing up the lie. God won't ask you to do more. God won't give you more than you can handle. Because He just did. Feed 5,000. But again, they couldn't handle it. He's trying to teach them, don't rely on yourself, rely on me, because he could handle it, and he did. And so Jesus set that whole scenario up where the people's need and the inability of the disciples to meet that need becomes an opportunity for Jesus to display his power. And he does that in our lives all the time. Mark Dever sums it up like this. Our weaknesses become the platforms for His strength. Our weaknesses become the platforms for His strength. And so are you facing a situation where you feel hopeless? Are you facing a situation where you have a need and you can't meet it and you know it? Lean on Christ. I don't know how he's going to work it. I don't know what all the details are going to be. I don't know if it's going to be an immediate thing, a long-term thing, how he's going to weave things together. But he's all-powerful. He's good. He loves you. He's sovereign. He knows what he's doing in this broken world. Trust him in it. Like, like the art on the way in that's out there. It may, on the underside of the tapestry, look nasty and mangled up mess. But on the top of that tapestry... There's a plan and there's a pattern. There's a design and it's good and it's right and it's beautiful. Trust Him. I mean, has He not provided in the past? God is faithful. It's an attribute of who He is. He's not just going to stop being faithful. I mean, that's what Paul is even pointing out in verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly power, peril, and He will deliver us. Like He did it. And He will. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. Dave Ramsey may not like this question. So some of you who work for Dave Ramsey may not like this question. Uh, how many of you have a credit card? There's no shame in here. Safe place. All right, still a safe place. How many of you have maxed that credit card out and been called and, or denied at a store because you're over your credit limit? Safe place. As we can confess here. My hand's up not to encourage you. My hand's up because I have. God's grace is not like a credit card company. He never calls up and says, uh, you've maxed out my grace limit. 
you've overdrawn on my account of mercy in your life. No, the Bible tells us he is, Ephesians 2, rich in mercy. Like he's a wellspring, it never dries up. It's just who he is. He defines himself in Exodus. I am gracious and merciful, abounding in steadfast love, right? It's who he is. He's gracious and merciful. And so let his provision in the path be the fuel of faith for the future. He's provided in the past. Let that fuel your faith for the future. He will keep on. It's who he is. He can't not be true to who he is. And like the, sim, the, the hymn says, he's proved it or and or. So don't live as if he's suddenly going to stop being who he says he is. He will take care. But for some of us, we just have a hard time believing that. Like you've seen dark days, you've been there. Maybe you're in those dark days and you've developed a false view of God that he's against you. At some point in our lives, I'm sure all of us have felt that. We believe that lie of Satan, that he's against us. He's out to get us. He's just waiting for one more little slip up and he's going to drop the hammer on you. This is something in counseling and talking with people in this church and outside of this church that I hear often. Again, that idea comes from the accuser. That idea comes from Satan. That does not come from the Bible. And so what winds up happening is you live this fear, this life of fear based upon this false view of God. But friend, let me just reason with you for a minute. If God had wanted to get you, if He had wanted to destroy you, to drop the hammer, He wouldn't have sent Jesus like he had, like his wrath was already there. Your impending doom was already there. He could have left you there, but no, God so loved you that he sent his only son that so, like, so you could believe in him and not perish, but have eternal life. So if he wanted to get you, he had you. He wants to save you and love you. He's for you. And, and, and the cross is the evidence that hangs across history that that's true. Right? Whenever you see a cross, you wear a cross, whatever. Like, remember in that moment, God loves me and He's for me. How do I know? That cross. Jesus went there for me, in my place, for my sin, to pay what I owe. God's not against me. He's for me. And so trust Him. Like even in the darkest of times, you can trust Him because He loves you. The cross shows you that. He's for you. The cross shows you that. And His power is made perfect in our weakness. Which brings us to number three. Yes, we may be burdened beyond our strength. But number three in your notes, Christ will hold you fast. Christ will hold you fast. Verse 9 again. Still here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. 
but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So if you haven't heard me clearly enough this morning, let me say it point blank again. Whoever said God will not give you more than you can handle, lied. Because He has, He does, I've been there, He has given us way more than we can handle. But what Sarah and I and our our family learned and are still learning, okay, what Uh, like as we were refined and are still being refined, is that He hasn't given us more than He can handle. And again, that's the whole point of it. To teach us to trust Him, not ourselves. To trust Him even when it doesn't make sense. Even when we don't see how it's going to play out. Even when we can't see what's coming around the corner. Even when we can't see what the next step is. To trust who He is, that He's good that he's kind, that there's more than meets the eye in every situation. More is happening than we realize. Some of you said more than meets the eye. That reminds me of the Transformers. I saw the eye. More is going on than we realize. To trust and know that, like Joni Erickson Tata says, God sometimes allows what he hates to achieve things he loves. And he does it in a million different ways and a million different people. And so rest assured, yes, God will never call you to something that he won't see you through. It will be beyond your strength, but never beyond his. Rest in that. And it's to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raised the dead. And so here's the brass tacks at the end of it. The God who took care of our greatest problem at the cross can certainly be trusted to take care of the day-to-day. He has secured eternity. He will provide for us daily. It may hurt, there may be hard things, but He will hold us fast. He has taken care of us. And so let's just all throw away from our minds that untrue, unhelpful, hurtful cliche, God won't give you more than you can handle, and replace it with this truth. God will hold me fast. That's what we tell ourselves. God will hold me fast. That's what sees us through, not cliches. It's the nature and character of God, who He is. That's what sees us through tragedy. That He, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, sovereign over all, good, gracious, merciful, kind God, He will hold me fast. He will see me through. My life is in His hands. Psalm 139, right? Before my days were ever... Uh, written before I was formed. He had every one of my days written in, like before that, before the foundations of the earth. He will hold me fast. This is who holds you. And He's adopted you into His family. He never leaves you. He'll never forsake you. Nothing can separate you from His love in Christ Jesus. And you are more valuable than a lily. You are more valuable than um, Birds. Sparrows. That was the word I was looking for. Sparrows. (laughs) Right? And if He provides so extravagantly for them, He will provide for you. Because He's faithful. He sticks closer than a brother. He's a good, good father. He doesn't hand out snakes and scorpions to His kids. 
He's a shield about us, as we read earlier. He's the lifter of our heads. That's what you remember. God, that God, will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. And all that He's promised will come to pass because He's Lord, God, and King. So His kingdom will come. And His will ultimately will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And when we get this, His Lordship, this eternal perspective, even pain that is real and hard may not go away, but will lessen. Because we know when Christ does come again, yep, all the sad things really will come untrue. And that's why we long, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And until then, He'll keep binding up the wounded. He'll keep holding us fast. He'll keep offering us grace upon grace. And in time, we will see, yep, in that moment, His grace really was sufficient. He did hold me. He did carry me. His power really was made perfect in my weakness. And so, friends, yes, God does often give us more than we can bear. But not more than He can. And so, as Angela read from 1 Peter chapter 5, 6 and 7, cast your anxiety on Him because He... He cares for you. He really does. How do I know that? The Bible tells me so. That's what it actually says. That He cares for you. That's what it says. Let's pray. Father, it boggles my mind that you would care for me, us, Sinners and strugglers and sojourners in this life. But you do. You proved it o'er and o'er practically. You proved it eternally. By the cross of your son Jesus. Father, even as I prayed earlier, we believe, Lord, but help our unbelief because we do struggle to believe. Strengthen our faith, not in faith. Strengthen our faith in you. Not in us trying to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, but in trusting you, in trusting our lives to you, our anxieties to you, for you care for us. Let us throw ourselves headlong upon you. You will catch us and you will hold us and you will carry us. And Father, again, even as we talked about temptation in the earlier portion, Lord, if there's any in here who have not tasted and seen that you are truly good, Holy Spirit, Stir their heart now. Draw them to yourself. That they too may be amongst the kingdom. Adopted as your child. Loved. And provided for. Until you come again. And the role is called up yonder. In Christ's name, amen.